0: Money, 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 Quickly to Wall.
2: Wall yeah. measures. Deal gets open for three.
0: Dagger! Yeah. What a of the time. Yeah. Here comes Pierce with five seconds left. and can't anybody. it
1: to Welcome to Locked On Wizard's show here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net Network. Uh, Station, I am your host, Noah Getzel, Wizards Extra Beat reporter. Been covering the Wizards for four years and at every home game, uh, including the locker room access after game, for the past two seasons. Uh, Today, we are down to the very final home stretch of the NBA season. The Wizards have two games left, starting here on Tuesday against the Celtics. Um, The Wizards are a game and a half behind the Milwaukee Bucks and a half game behind Miami Heat, who lost last night. And if um, the Wizards can... Win, probably, I guess it'll have to be both, and the, the Bucks need to lose a game in order for the Wizards to get 7th and face off against the Celtics. Uh, we'll have a preview of that potential matchup here Tuesday night, and to help me preview the game, we bring in locked-on Celtics host John Corrales. I've talked to him before, real smart guy. We're going to touch topics of, uh, you know, how would the Celtics potentially match up against the Wizards? Is it the worst-case scenario in terms of the Wizards, the Bucks, and the Heat? and what kind of an impact will Marcus Smart have when he returns. Finally, we'll be talking about who on the Wizards can potentially defend Al Horford and why he's just the matchup nightmare in today's game, but also a potential series. So tune in, check it out. We are going to start that interview with John Corrales in just a moment after this message.
2: part of the Locked On podcast network, your team every day.
0: The Wizards have really been struggling. Losses to the Hawks, to the Bulls, to the Pistons in the last couple of weeks. Uh you beat the Hornets but you know, losses to the Rockets and Cavs are understandable, but the loss to the Cavs after John Wall, you know, ran his mouth, that's not encouraging either. So how confident are you really going into the the playoffs? Do you think playing the Celtics is just like, uh, that's our best chance at getting out of the first round? Or do you feel confident confident about the Wizards no matter what?
1: I thought everything was cool after uh, that four-point loss to the Cavaliers. Because even though they gave up, I think it was a 17-point advantage in the final seven minutes, it showed that they can go to toe-to-toe with the perennial best team in the East. And then... The next day, I guess, you know, it's the next game of back-to-back, you don't have John Wall anymore, but the Wizards just absolutely stunk against uh, the Hawks in the next game, and it was so terrible that nobody wanted to talk to the press after the game. Scott Brooks is saying all, all the time, this is embarrassing, everyone played selfish, selfish on defense in terms of not boxing out, not communicating, not doing help defense on screen and rolls, and it just seems like the Wizards take amounts of time or entire games off. So that's not really a habit that you can get rid of in the playoffs. And we saw it last year against the the Celtics. They would go up by, you know, 10, 15, 20 points in the first half. And then all of a sudden, I don't know, the Celtics would turn on the D or something, and it would just be a tied ball game all of a sudden. So I think the Wizards have a lot of bad habits, which they can't fix in two games. And going back to your original question, which I forgot. (laughs) What did you say again?
0: Well, I was just wondering, like, see, for me, I was saying, I I feel more afraid of the Wizards than any of the last three teams. But, you know, honestly, if if I'm giving you some truth serum here, should the Celtics, should teams really be afraid of the of the Wizards in the first round of the season, in, in of the playoffs? And do you feel like the Wizards need to play the Celtics? because that's their best chance because the Celtics are injured? Or do you feel any bit of confidence with Wall coming back and, and maybe getting into a groove in the playoffs and it doesn't matter who they face?
1: I feel confident about two of the four teams that they would potentially face. Um, well, let's go ahead and say three. The only team that I definitely don't want the Wizards facing would be the Cavs because nobody beats LeBron in the first round in the past decade. But I think uh, the, the confidence against the, the Raptors would come from that 2014-15 series when the Wizards swept, and I was joking on the podcast yesterday that the Wizards need to just sign Paul Pierce again to like a 10-day contract or the rest of the season, (laughs) just for that swagger factor. Um, The Celtics, a lot of people are really discounting the Celtics, unfairly so. I still think the Celtics have an edge over the Sixers, just from the experience factor and coaching edge, Um, even though the, the Sixers have won 14 in a row. I think it's totally different when you get into a playoff setting, and those players aren't experienced. They're gonna turn the ball over. They're gonna have mistakes. And everyone's saying now, oh my god, like the Sixers are going all the way to the finals. No, it's they're not. They're not gonna get past the Cavaliers. Yeah, it's just you know another one of those ESPN Sports Center fodder type things. You know, saying like, oh, you know, the last team to not make the playoffs and then get into the finals was. I think it was actually your Celtics in 2007-2008. Oh, no, it was the Cavs once they got uh, LeBron back. But I, I think the Celtics are an incredibly difficult matchup. And even though they haven't been great offensively, it' a team that can just stifle you and frustrate you so bad, like when you're not able to score, the Wizards have shown over and over that when they're not hitting shots, they just refuse to play defense because they're upset. So it's, it's the best situation I can think of just because... You know, you don't want to face the number one seed. If you're the eighth seed, you have the statistically lowest chance of advancing and moving on. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm not scared of the Celtics, but I definitely would respect them. Um, when it comes to the teams in the Eastern Conference, playing the Cavs would be the ultimate worst situation, which, you know, the only way that would happen is if the Wizards win twice and Miami loses twice. So it's very, very slight odds there. And do you think at this stage... Like, what's your confidence level with the Celtics? Are they going to win two rounds or just one? Because if they win, Oh, go ahead.
0: No, I I was going to say, like, I I feel like it really depends on the matchups. Again, the Wizards are not the team I want to face just because of that backcourt. And as much as Washington has been struggling, the backcourt scares me. No Kyrie, no Marcus Smart to start. Marcus Smart, we learned on Monday, would be he's targeting the maybe the end of the first round. So if the Celtics can keep it alive, then they can you know Smart can come in and make a difference in the series potentially if they face the Wizards. I don't I don't fear the Bucks as much. I fear the Miami kind of like in between Milwaukee and in Washington. Mm -hmm. So if the Celtics and this is why I wanted you on now, because that to this Tuesday night game is so important. If the Celtics can win this game, then they can make it basically almost impossible, I think, depending on what Milwaukee does, almost impossible for the Wizards to get that seventh seed. So this win is huge for the Celtics if they can get it. And if they win, and if Philly gets into that third seed, I feel good. I feel good about going against whomever comes out of that. And I say it that way because – I'm not 100% sure that Philly comes out in a first-round series. Even if they play the Heat or if they pay the, – well, it would it would have to be the, the Heat because Indiana is pretty solidified in that fifth seed. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Philly lost to the Heat because the matchups are okay. You know, Whiteside against uh, Embiid. They've had they've had their battles. I wouldn't be surprised just because Philly is so raw, and like you said, that first round that that the playoffs are so much different than than the regular season. And Philly's record has gotten fat on a lot of really 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 bad teams. They've beaten good teams. Not going to take that away from them. But everybody has acknowledged that Philly's end of season schedule has been the biggest cupcake in the world. So, But good for them for going on that run. You win 14 in a row, you deserve the credit, fine. But if they do get past Miami, or whomever, I still feel good about the Celtics going up against Philly. Al Horford has done a really good job against Embiid. I think Marcus Smart against uh, Ben Simmons is a pretty good matchup. Because Simmons doesn't take jumpers, Marcus Smart's one of the best defenders in the league, and he's strong. You can't muscle your way by him, so I think he can at least limit uh, Simmons, and then from there, it's a-, a matter of figuring out how to stop some of their shooting with Saric and Redick. And I, I think they can. I think the Celtics can at least make that a very, very tough series. So, even with all of their injuries. So, mm-hmm. I still see a road, potentially, with all of the injuries still. If things pan out right, that the Celtics could still get to the conference finals. Now, if they get to the conference finals, I, that, I think, is where the magic might run out. But, yeah. you know, um, uh, but I, I, I still feel okay about that. But another it all hinges on this Tuesday game. Mm-hmm. So, let me ask you. Tuesday night, TNT, Celtics, Wizards... Do you see both teams kind of going all out? Do you see this as almost like game one of an eight-game series between these teams?
1: Yeah, for sure. John Wall's playing. He's probably going to get close to 40 minutes. And as he said before uh, the Cavaliers game, I think, who was it? The Wizards lost to the Rockets, and he said, okay, I'm playing You know, the game against the Cavs, the game against the Celtics, to so send a message to both those teams. Of course, the message failed a little bit against the Cavs, you know, the, the Wizard showed they could compete, but he's going to definitely treat this as a playoff game, and I, going back to that um, preview of the matchup, potential, you know, looking down the road, if the Celtics were to face Philly in the second round, I think another advantage you have is slowing down the pace, especially when you're going against a, a younger team, so uh, the Sixers are best when they're running out in transition, you know, Simmons grabs a rebound, he goes coast to coast, he feeds someone for a three, he... Uh, finds Embiid or something like that but when when you know the Celtics are a team that really likes playing at a slower pace um, and I think that's going to benefit them because their defense will stop a lot of those transition opportunities and if it comes down to you know Brad Stevens Celtics offense versus the offense that would largely be reliant on Embiid going toe to toe with Horford and, and scoring in the post every time or hoping someone cheats over to get a three pointer. I, I like the Celtics odds there.
0: Yeah. I, I, I'm, like I said, I'm very comfortable with the Celtics against the Sixers. I just don't trust the Sixers to get that far mm-hmm. uh, I, or, or to finish off a, a second round series. Like they might get past the first round on talent, but I just don't see them getting beyond that. Um, I I, that experience is a big deal. Like getting into a second round and a third round of the playoffs is uh, that's tough to do. It's tough to understand exactly what changes in the playoffs until you get there. And yeah, the Sixers have veterans that can kind of tell them, but their veterans aren't their best players. And with the Celtics, Al Horford is still there, and you can rely on him in those moments to kind of take people aside and say, "Okay, here's what's going to happen." Al Horford is is still very, very good, so he can calm guys down. They the Celtics have you know Marcus Morris, who is you know a long tenured veteran. I'm still concerned about Jason Tatum mm-hmm. and Jalen Brown. You know, Brown has has gotten some. Playoff experience—he sees it, he he's seen it, he knows it. Tatum hasn't, but I think with all of the attention that's going to be paid on the other guys, that's going to be different than what the Sixers are going to face, what Simmons is going to face, what Embiid is going to face. They just don't know; they don't get it. Now their talent is super, super great, so they they're going to get past it somehow. But if they start pressing, that they'll start making some mistakes, and it's much easier for a rookie's mistakes to cascade uh, out of control.
1: Mm-hmm. And you, you so, talked about uh, Marcus Smart as essentially like the second coming of Jesus and how big of a difference <laughs> does he make? Cause it's, you know, Boston people are saying all the time, like, oh, you know, like we are ravaged with injuries right now. Kyrie's not going to be in the playoffs, but once we get Marcus Smart back, you know, we'll, we'll be fine. Like everything's going to be clicking again. I feel like his biggest benefit is the way that he just like dies for loose balls or skies in for offensive rebounds that are just more demoralizing than anything else. And John Wall used to say that Avery Bradley on the Celtics was the toughest defender that he faces all season, but it was really a a gang effort between smart getting under his skin, literally like scratching up his arms (laughs) and getting under that skin. But just what do you, what kind of impact do you think he makes on the game? Because he, he's truly a head case and a very unreliable offensive (laughs) player.
0: Um, Marcus Smart is much more than what you said. So defensively, he's obviously, I think, he's, everybody can agree that he's a very good defender. Um, he also has tremendous instincts, and he finds his way to the ball. It's not just hustle or, you know, oh, he just snags this, this crazy rebound. There's there's a lot of that. There's, there's very much Marcus Smart just kind of being crazy and, and diving and, and that stuff. But – Marcus Smart, as a defender, is very smart. No pun intended. He <laughs> is—he um, anticipates things. He knows everybody's plays. He—he uh, he, and he plays with a certain energy that raises everybody's game. Yeah. You know that when there are well, there are times on the floor where somebody might be kind of slacking a little bit. Marcus Smart comes in and plays with such an energy that you look like a jackass if you're not matching him. So you have to match him out there. So, But beyond that, Marcus Smart is actually, I think, a a very good point guard in that he he understands what's happening. He runs the pick-and-roll very, very well. He runs the pick-and-roll with Al Horford extremely well. When Marcus Smart and Al Horford end up running pick-and-roll, Marcus Smart throws these alley-oops in the lane that consistently connect with Al Horford and others, but mostly Al Horford. It sucks that Daniel Tice is hurt Mm -hmm. because Tice was the recipient of a lot of these too. But offensively, everybody wants to focus on Marcus Smart's shooting, which we all know sucks generally, but he can pass very, very well. Marcus Smart is a very underrated passer. He knows how to get the ball, where to get the ball, uh, and, and when to get the ball to certain spots on the floor. And, and like I said, he as a point guard, he can he can run an offense. He can run an offense. He is a, a starter worthy point guard, I think, in the NBA, even though his his money will be made. On the defensive end but he's a very underrated passer and he he can run the offense so it's very very important for for the celtics to have that because if they decide to start marcus smart and then they probably will whenever he's healthy against the wizards if they face the wizards in the playoffs that pushes terry Rozier, another starter level point guard in the nba to the bench and now you have or you can play them together sometimes yeah that that really really helps and I think ultimately why I'm so confident is that Brad Stevens knows how schematically to get everybody together and, and get them to click and get them to work and maximize everything that these guys can do well. And, you know, Brad Stevens gets a little bit of shit for his playoffs. I, I because I, I don't know early on, he overachieved so much in the regular season that when he got to the playoffs, it didn't go well. They should have never gone to the playoffs <laughs> that first year they did right under him. Right. Uh, I think he's done a, a very good job in the playoffs, uh, coaching. So, but I, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm confident. This is why the Celtics are Celtics fans are so confident with Marcus Smart coming back. He just changes the entire dynamic, and he you you just elevate him to the top, and you push some of these guys who've been working so hard. You push them down onto the bench, and, th- and that really just helps you come playoff time.
1: I think it's it's a very similar situation with John Wall because. He's the type of guy who when the wizards are out there clicking and getting, you know, steals and turnovers and blocks and transition easy buckets, they're absolutely unstoppable. Um I don't care which defense you are, you know, they can do that against Golden State, they can do that probably not the Spurs because but just about anyone else. And it's kind of just the tone that Wall sets in terms of the pace of the game. The issue is I've never seen Marcus Smart take a playoff, whereas John Wall will take you know, half a quarter, an entire quarter, or something like that off. So it's just a different atmosphere. The Wizards are great when they're in sync, but, you know, a lot of this season they have not been there whatsoever, and there have been a whole slew of issues. And I was wondering from an outside perspective, you know, you get these text messages from, from Marcus uh, Morris going to his twin Markeith after they lose games <laughs> against, like, the Hawks and, and guys like that, and he just texts, "What are you, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> what are you guys doing? From your perspective, what's wrong with the wizards and can they still win a playoff series or is it too deep that you know it's it's just I don't know is it immaturity is it lack of ability to have team chemistry is the team not composed well in terms of the, the organization and the roster? what do you think is has been the biggest weakness when you discount just John Wall's injury this year?
0: well you know i I feel like there's there's still some coaching issues that are going on here. Um, there's some, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what the players really think of playing with wall. It's not that I, I certainly don't think the wizards are better without wall, but I wonder if there's some things that wall can do to kind of make it easier to play with him. Uh, he, he Clearly, he's not a great shooter, but um, you know, I, I just, I just wonder if there, there are some things, you know, some similarities maybe to Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. in that he, um, he may have, there may be a little bit of difficulty playing with him. So you, you saw early on when he was out, the the, the ball move a lot more, uh, and and I've look, I've defended the Wizards in, in that I, I don't think. the the ball movement without wall is necessarily completely indicative of that being better offense. I think when wall, when wall is so good and you got a player that's so good in, uh, in John wall, you, if without him, you have to move the ball more to get your shots. Whereas wall is so good. He can just get you shots. Right. You know, so you have to make, you have to have that ball movement to create some of those things. But at the same time, the ball movement gets other people involved, and there's there's like a a good and a bad side to both of these things. With Wall, it, there there may be a tendency to just sit there and watch him cook and
1: hope he gets a corner three or something like that. But yeah, not necessarily. And, and, and yeah.
0: Maybe some of these guys, maybe Porter, maybe Ubre. They you know Beal, they they kind of want to. They need to be a little bit more involved. They need more touches. So as great as wall can be individually, I think he needs to also understand that some of these other guys, they just need touches to get the, the feel of the game. And when you get the ball in your hand, even if you get it and you're moving and you move the ball, you just feel more into the game as opposed to standing there and just like, all right, well, hopefully the defense collapses on John. Cause then he can pass it out to me mm-hmm. and I'll shoot. But if you're, if you're, I think, the guys that you have, Porter, Oubre, Beal, I think, attitude-wise, I think they they might get a little frustrated with with that because they're all really good. Like Beal is a tremendous player. Porter can be really good. Oubre's is really good, uh, really good young player.
1: If only he could make a shot in the past two weeks or whatever.
0: <laughs> right, but like if you if you feel like you're really good, but you're watching a guy who's also really really good, and you're like come on, dude, just give me the ball. I want to do something more than catch and shoot. I want to create, too. I want to dribble. I want to pass. I want to do, like, other things. So I think the construction of this team, the the, the youth is is both a good and bad thing because I, I think they, they get a little frustrated with how things are going. And when I, when I started out with the coaching – I just think that it it's more on the coach to create situations where those other guys are getting their touches like maybe you maybe you sub wall out a little earlier and you you just stagger him a little bit more and and let those other guys kind of create a little bit more this way when it comes down to the fourth quarter everybody's a little bit more aware and ready to perform rather than you know kind of wait and look around and see and if I'm not mistaken, you guys have have had some pretty some some problems finishing games, right?
1: yeah, absolutely. and for the record since february twenty eighth uh your squad is eleven and seven, including a six game winning streak. The wizards have the lowest lowest uh winning percentage of any playoff team right now, just six and thirteen, which is something like thirty percent so it's it's not been pretty at times. That's for sure. For me, I think uh, on Tuesday the biggest concern and struggle will mostly depend on the front court of the Wizards, but also the coaching decisions in terms of stopping Al Horford. And he's not, you know, a guy who's going to try and score twenty five points or anything like that. But I think just defending his perimeter uh, abilities is not something that Marching Gortat or Jan Mihimny will do. And so we'll see if how quickly. Scott Brooks goes to a smaller lineup where uh, Markeith Morris is, is guarding Horford instead, and that's that's a, the biggest key matchup um, in my mind. What do you think will determine
0: the outcome of this game well, on Tuesday? I completely agree. I completely agree because that that was what swung the series for the Celtics last year was Al Horford being able to take out um, Gortat and and just basically completely render him useless. You, Gortat's biggest strength against the Celtics is being able to crash the board and take advantage and get some offensive rebounds and, and really blow up yeah, the Celtics are the number one defensive team, but if you can go in there and get offensive rebounds, then you, you can really turn them into a, a mediocre defensive team because mm-hmm. that's not getting a stop and, and you're, you're getting putbacks and you're drawing fouls. You can live at the line and live in the penalty. So, uh, yeah, I think if they, if the Wizards can go small and take advantage of that, I mean, that's that's the lineup that I think on Christmas Day is what killed the Celtics. That you go small and you try to take advantage of, you go like, what was Wall, Beal, Porter, Oubre, and Morris, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. that I mean, that, that five can give the Celtics a lot of problems because... They can run, they can defend, they can you know they can run the Celtics a little bit ragged. So uh, if if the Wizards don't do that, then great. Um, I think the Celtics are though a, a little better constructed, and I'm really really curious to see how or if Greg Monroe can be a matchup problem in a Wizards series. and And Tuesday night will really figure that out because he'll get minutes and who can guard Monroe on the Wizards? I mean, Markeith is too small. Monroe can shoot over the top of him. Gortat is uh, too slow and he won't be able to keep up with the spin moves anymore. Maybe Mahimi, but this could be an opportunity for the Celtics to kind of use Greg Monroe in a way that maybe people weren't expecting. He could be uh, a wild card in, in this game and in a potential first-round series against the Wizards.
1: Absolutely. And it was Marcus Morris uh, last game who was just toying with Oubre because he, he didn't have the strength to take him. And Marcus was hitting all these, you know, like, lower your shoulder, lower your shoulder, get better position, then just fade for one of those smooth fadeaways. And he was hitting that nonstop. And that was the lineup that was missing... Basically everyone. I think uh, Jason Tatum was the only starter who was actually playing that game when it went to double overtime. So that'll be an interesting matchup. Who can guard Marcus Morris? Absolutely. Um, get your popcorn ready. It's going to be a game. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we'll see what happens, you know. And then if, uh, if this does end up being a first round matchup, we'll end up talking again. We'll do a whole series mm-hmm. preview.
1: By the way, John, I loved your um, basketball and music kind of uh, podcast I forgot who your guest was but it was a really oh, cool Doran personal Adams. history okay Doran Adams yeah that, yep. that was a that was good to hear because it you know people don't like slam magazine definitely uh is one of like the perennial integrators of those two but I think just hearing your own personal experience about how when you were going out playing pickup outdoor in the summer and people would be blasting you know these new songs you've never heard from before uh from from their cars that was just a a really cool yeah. personal experience. So, thanks for sharing that. That was that was good oh, stuff.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that was that was great. Awesome. Hey, it, by the way, nice nice. Might as well plug it. You go back and search. It was me and Dart Adams. Search for the uh, basketball and music podcast. That was awesome. Thanks.
1: <laughs> cool. Well, it was good talking to you tonight, John. All
0: right, man. I'll talk to
2: you later. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama.
1: Hey guys, Noah Getzel once again. Thanks so much for listening to today's show with John Corrales from Locked On Celtics. A great conversation there to talk about the Wizards and Celtics matchup and a potential series. I'd be talking to him a lot more if that's the case. So uh, thanks again for listening, along with listening on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net Station every Monday tuesday and friday at 9 p.m 8 central you can also tune in to the podcast every day by visiting subscribing on apple itunes you can also subscribe on spotify and google play listen on stitcher um, check us out we post the links to every podcast on twitter and you can also visit lockedonwizards.com for all the insight on the wizards that you could ever want so, one more time, I am Noah Getzel. You can follow me on Twitter at Noah underscore Getzel. That's Noah underscore G O E T Z E L at Locked On Wizards. There's another account you can uh, follow. And finally, Wizards Extra. No E, just X T R A. Thanks so much. That's our show.